Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hello, I'm Scott Santucci. And I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions you should be asking if you want to be successful with sales enablement. In our podcast, we help you rethink, reframe, and sometimes even revisit how you're going about your sales enablement role and function. And in today's podcast, we're going to rethink. Specifically, we're going to rethink pipeline acceleration strategies, and we're going to take a double click on the buyer side of the sales conversation. In our last podcast, we talked about the five sales objectives. So that means today we're going to talk about something very specific to buyers with regard to those objectives. And Scott, why don't you frame it out for us? Sure thing, Brian. I don't know if you know this, and I probably might lose my man card by sharing this. But oh boy, you, I know <laughs> I, I have to level set it that way. I've actually literally lost some credibility, but I, I've learned it, uh, earned it back again when I've short, shared the story. But have you seen the movie Beaches? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think my mom might have tried to get me to see it. I never saw it. So why don't you tell us all about it? <laughs> okay. Well, in Beaches, and for all the women out there, this is for you. In the movie Beaches, Bette, Mid- Bette Midler's character is a self-absorbed actress. And she has a scene with the, with the, lo- the male love interest where she's going on and on and talking about how great she is. And she says, oh, look at me. Enough about me. Tell me what you think of me. <laughs> I love it. And I, uh, you know, if, ever, if anybody wonders how scripted we are, there you go. Cause I had no idea what he was going to say. And so then I have to legitimately say, what the heck are you talking about? And what does that have to do with sales enablement? Authenticity, right, Brian? That's right. So well, what are you talking about? What am I talking about is if, we look at, so one of the things that uh, Brian and I had access to, we put together this survey uh, and actually uh, a bunch of interviews of executive buyers. And we did this every year for four consecutive years when we were at Forrester. And we asked executive level buyers, we had a big survey. The entire survey was mapped to all the five sales objectives that we talked about. So we know exactly what are the techniques for, for, for each one. And the data about how well buyers thought sellers were performing is just off the charts poor. Only 11% found their sales, uh, their their interactions with sellers valuable. Uh, When they asked about uh, sellers being uh, prepared for calls, uh, maybe 67% felt that they were prepared about their products and services and then down in the twenties for about their role, understood their company, things like that. But one of my favorite, my favorite uh, question was what's the agenda? What do you think as a buyer, the agenda of a seller is for your first meeting? Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. And the agenda is more or less 86% about the company. 
and only 14% about the buyer. And that's in this case, it's the, the seller's company, right? That's right. That's so right. it's all about the sales person's company or the seller, not, not the buyer. So for me to sum up where we are in the state of sales and uh, you know, buyer alignment, that Beaches quote just resonates with me big time. And what, what we're going to do here is really zoom in on one of the biggest challenges uh, is how would we use this information and the five sales objective information to manufacture and unclog our pipelines? Yeah, that's great. And you know, one thing's for sure. We don't want to show up and say, you know, that's, that's, that's enough about me. Tell me how awesome I am. Right. So we can guarantee you that's not going to be the approach here. So when you look at the objectives, then we're, this is uh, so let's frame this out a little bit, Scott, you know, we're not talking about specifically getting access. Then this is, this is a little bit more in the middle, perhaps uh, the first meeting creating shared vision, you know, in, in, the, in the, the center of the, the objectives here. Right. Well, what I'd like you to do and what I'd like everybody to do is sort of if you're, you know, on the treadmill or in in a car or uh, something like that, I want you to have a mental picture of a funnel. Right. Got that in your head, a funnel. Yep. So if we take those five sales objectives, we probably think, oh, you know, target, we have actual contact names of the specific people that we want to do. Oh, access, that's people that we've, you know, we've got first meetings with. And then we have um, successful meetings and then we have um, shared vision and then we have close and it looks like nice and neat, like a nice little funnel, right? Right. That's probably what we think. Well, guess what? When you actually do the analysis and break down uh, and do the forensics, if you will, most B2B sales organizations, pipelines do not look like funnels. They more look like boa constrictors that eat in a pig. And when you have, when you're a salesperson, you have so many opportunities in this, in those middle stages that you're talking about stuck, throwing more opportunities at you or more leads at you just isn't going to cut it. The issue is you have to find the work to be able to do it. And in that middle zone, that, uh, that pig, if you will, that the, the boa constrictor's eaten, really what's, what's happening here is a large portion of those deals are going to be lost. They're going to be lost to NDI, No Decision Incorporated. The, the customers just sort of time out, and it's a tremendous amount of burden. It's a tremendous amount of waste. It's a tremendous amount of effort on it. And that's really what we're going to be talking about right now. Yeah, this is great. So, you know, listeners, uh, this is one of those things, especially today, that I think, um, especially if you're not in a, a bag carrying or sales management role, you may hear this uh, cliche. It sounds like a cliche. Oh, we lost to no decision or, you know, no decision is a problem. But so, yes, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I like the, the analogy here of the boa constrictor. So on this podcast, we're going to double click into that. And, and talk about some variables and some factors as to why this happens, what it looks like, and things we can do to be successful in unclogging the bow constrictor, right? So that's, that's the, we're going we're gonna to dive deep on that here and not gloss over it. So Scott, what do you think some of the, the reasons are uh, companies are losing to NDI, No Decision Incorporated? Sure. What we're going to talk about is why it happens, how to prevent it, and we're going to close with some steps to fix it. But so let's talk about why it happens. I got three, four, actually four reasons, four main reasons that this happens. The first part is 
if you think about that journey song, separate ways, world, worlds apart, values in the eye of the beholder. We don't get to decide what a value proposition is. Our customers do. And when we're losing a no decision, what it is is that we haven't really thought through all of the different variables for all the different buying executives in, involved. The second reason is um, maybe keeping with the song, uh, the song theme a, a little bit. You've lost that love and feeling after that first meeting. After that first meeting, and it, you know it just went really well. You were really on point, delivering your uh, um, your commercial insight, your stakeholder is going to go home and they're going to start feeling uncomfortable. And the reason that they're going to start feeling uncomfortable for actually, they probably don't really know why it's just in their gut, but what they're doing is they're perceiving personal risk. If you haven't given, given your client a path of how this is going to go, they're starting to think through, do I have the right political capital to do, do with this? Uh, am I really going to do it? So th- th- it starts to get fuzzy. Hmm. And as it starts to get fuzzy and you're not, you don't have an engagement plan of saying, here's how we're going to lay it out to your different stakeholders. What happens is over time, that person just sort of fizzles out. If you, if you can't get the momentum going, the political risk and the capital that that particular executive has, has too much time. So now you're in this going dark phase. In the going dark phase, if you do the, if your sales reps are doing the, hey, I'm just calling to touch base, you're you're making the problem worse, not better. And the difficulty is, those sellers know doggone well they shouldn't be doing that. They just don't have any other alternative because the company hasn't researched it or given them a mechanism to talk with other sellers for. And the last part then is uh, the client can't really envision the outcome. And when I say the client, what I mean is the sponsor that you've talked with or also the people involved in that buying decision. They just can't get their head around. How are they going to get started? What do they need to do? How are they going to get their do- get done? What's your role going to be? What's their role going to be? So those are the four most common reasons why this unravels. And the thing that's so unfortunate is these are such easily addressable problems if you just talk about it and get people to talk about it. Yeah. Companies just don't. Okay. I agree. So, and, and I, I want to, I want to double click into these and, and uh, you know, spend some time here, but let's, could you net out the four real quick? I was, I was taking mental notes here and, I came up with about 20 things that we could talk about in this because there's a lot in this, but I want to make sure our listeners, um, you know, who might be going through this going, holy crap, hadn't thought about it this before. Give us the four, net it out again, just okay. as a summary, and then First we'll one. go into it. Separate ways, worlds apart. Our sellers or our sales teams don't have enough empathy to understand what's going on inside our client's business. Okay. Got it. Number two. We're not proactively bringing up to the, to the sponsor what their personal risk factors might be. So when they think about it the next day and they have that pit in their stomach and they don't know why they're feeling that way, it just seems too risky. Yep. Three, what happens when you start to go dark? Either 
you haven't laid out a, a, a good game plan, which by the way, should be done for all reps to be able to leverage, not put on the backs of salespeople to come up with what those game plans are. Uh, but they, they, they just don't have that game plan. And they, and the only thing that they have to do is, Hey, I'm just calling a touch base. Mm-hmm. And the last one is you have packaged up your solution in a way that's about you not in a way that is about your client. So they can't envision how they're going to be successful. You haven't packaged up their outcome for success. You've packaged it up what products and services you want them to buy. So it's difficult for them to figure out what they're going to do next. Yep. This is great because, you know, uh, let me, let me add some color to this because, you know, Scott, we've talked with our, with our listeners about my background and and where I'm at. One of the things that I want to throw in on this discussion is me being a, you know, in a fortune 50 company, I get a lot of sales calls and I was actually uh, running the numbers last week. And, and I, th- I think, cause and I, I like to take sales calls over the last four or five years, I've probably done, you know, been on the, the buy side or being, have been pitched to 150 times or so. Oh God. Um, and that's not, those are, those are just me trying to be, you know, researcher. Cause half the time, uh, I would have just said no or ignored them. But this idea, so number one, values in the eye of the beholder. I'm, I'm in a sales enablement role, and I'm in a very specific one. My LinkedIn profile is very specific. Right now, I have no idea how anybody's hit me up with this idea of you know lead gen um, and SEO website design. I, I don't get it, right? So uh, they're, they're the completely wrong zip code. Number two, when they do talk to me, I swear it's all about them, uh, which is your number four, but it just, they slap me in the face with my number two. They, they don't understand how risky it would be to even bring somebody in, nor the amount of paperwork it would take and the amount of political capital it would take to actually have a conversation with people. It's massive. I mean, it's, it is, it is incredibly difficult for my, for me to bring vendors into my company um, without taking political arrows, but more importantly, you know, I got to call in favors half the time to get the stuff done. So that's number two. And then three is when I go dark, this idea of, Hey, I'm just checking base. Or can you forward this email off to so-and-so it's just like, you know, who, I'm not your secretary. And I, I don't work <laughs> for you. You know, like help me help you guy. And come on, man, seriously. And no, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to respond because I don't want to be a jerk. And then I already talked a little bit about it, but I actually had um, a person last uh, three weeks ago and I said, you know what? I think we can probably figure this out. So I think I could help you on your value. I think I will probably be, you know, be able to take some of this political risk on by having two steps because uh, on another podcast or I think earlier, we talked about this idea of just what's the next step. I said, okay, fine. I can help them get to the next step, but I'm going to have to work with them probably over the series of six meetings or so. And then, you know, let me engage with them proactively and, and do this. But so I, I start this, let me help you process. And the very first thing they hit me on is, you know, how this thing integrates with Salesforce and Microsoft Outlook. I'm like, I'm not, what the hell? I'm not even in that zip code either. Implementation. Do you guys not realize what we're doing? So uh, on the buy side, this is, it's just like, they're trying to do the tango. I'm trying to do the waltz. I don't know. Right. And I'm like, I actually had to say, will you guys just do what I say? And, and go read my LinkedIn profile. I'm going to shut this call down. We, we're going to talk again. Let's set it up right now. But you got to go read about my company and LinkedIn before we continue. This is a waste of my time. 
And so luckily, you know, they did that, but it's, this is a real thing. And the, the disconnect is massive. And I have a lot of empathy for salespeople who are trying to close that gap by themselves. So when you look at those four things, Scott, what do you think from your perspective are some critical items that we should be considering as sales enablement professionals? Well, let's piggyback on that last element that you said about uh, empathy for sellers and just can't, can you just do what, what we say? Let's talk about reducing your risk. So the, the, the first thing that you can do, right? Here's a, here's a prescription that you can do is actually organize out and anticipate your, your stakeholders. So going back to our five sales objectives, why is it so important that you're really clear on who you're targeting? So Brian it, it only cares about himself specifically, but guess what? There are other people like Brian who have similar roles. So you can model out that and, and know here are five common risk factors that he's got. One is the ability to execute. And the ability to execute isn't necessarily just you. It's whether he's, gonna, he's got enough uh, internal buy-in or, uh, or, or his team can, can follow this through. The next one is how much political capital is he willing to spend? And he actually already said that already. He, can he envision the benefit realization and when, when will it happen? What will they be? Can he articulate it to all the other people about what, you know, what you're going to do? What's the opportunity cost in, in, in play here? In other words, if he's going to spend time with you uh, or is he going to spend time doing something else? And then you know, ultimately, what's the cultural fit? Uh, you're going to have to work with inside his company and work with a lot of different people. If you don't have that fit, it's going to be very challenging. So this is, that's really the summary of uh, reducing his uh, personal risk. Brian, you have any comments on that? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And, and what I ended up having to do in this specific scenario was say, listen, I will agree to get to the next step with you. And the next step is actually internal to my team with this other function that's my peer. That's all I can commit to, but we're so far apart. Even me bringing you to that next step is going to take a lot of work. I'm probably looking at three or four hours with you guys, and I'm willing to do that. Are you? And, of course, they said yes, but I'm like, no, you you guys literally have to work your asses off to get to the next step, and there's not going to be a close there. I'm just literally talking about the next step, and I don't even know what's going to happen after that. Are you sure you want to do this? But I don't know many buyers that would say that to be honest right. with you. Exactly. You know? And they, they don't know them because they don't know they're probably not even going to take them up on that offer so that the, the seller doesn't even get that chance. So that gives us to right. point number two, prescription number two, help your seller communicate what's in it for him uh, to specific groups. So Brian, you and I both know, remember Zig Ziglar, right? Uh, oh yeah. He talks about that. Everybody listens to say radio station W I I F M. Right. Uh, and really it's what's in it for, for, for me. So Brian, you're going to have, and, and you mentioned this you're, you're already, you have your own team. So you're going to have to get buy-in from your own team. Then you're going to have to extend out and get buy-in from peers do you have the do you have the support for it? And then ultimately, if you have enough peer support, then and only then are you going to be willing to go ask for money. Yeah. So ultimately, what we've got is you can organize that there's three sales, three sales that your sellers need to make. First, 
concentrate on making the sale to the internal team. Second, focus on helping Brian or helping the buyer make those sales into internal peers. And then third, how will you help package that um, request for money knowing full well it's probably coming from multiple budget sources? Yeah. Yeah. And in that particular discussion, I'm, we're going to need a lot of a lot of prep on these multiple budget sources, um, the technology involved. Uh, we're going to have to role play this out so that I can think on my feet in front of VPs, you know, finance, business planning, uh, procurement. You know, everybody's got their in you know, their corporate lens on this. We're going to have to role play this out and be tight. And no, I'm not just not going to just turn you loose on that. Right? You got to yes. help me be successful. And to that point, um, our third recommendation is, or the third thing that you can do is to create cohesion across his agreement network. And that's essentially what he just said. So remember, many, many, many people involved. The more people involved, there's going to be competing agendas. There's different languages. I like to call this the English to English translation problem of uh, somebody in uh, L&D might think, Training means one thing, whereas somebody in sales might think training means something else. And boom, we are separated by our, by our language. Yeah. The clarity of purpose, many different people are going to have different goals. Uh, the resistance to change, some people are going to be really happy with the way things are happening there or, or, or probably said better. Yes, we want, we want to change as long as it's not me. <laughs> uh, then people are going to be feeling, fearing of losing their jobs. People are going to have unforeseen uh, problems. So all of this energy, this uh, negative energy, angst or whatever, creates effort. And to keep that ball rolling and to keep that momentum requires partnership with, uh, with your sponsor. Yeah, that's a great point. So, so that's, that's but, what we've got here. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at that, we've, we've kind of, we've stayed on the buyer side. We've, we've channeled our inner seller and inner buyer kind of role played this out. We've got this, you know, pig in the boa constrictor, it's stuck. And we're, we're outlining some, some very specific variables here. And, you know, Scott, let's talk internal supply chain now, right? Mm -hmm. So we've, we've got this conversation, series of conversations. We're going to have to navigate, help, help sellers navigate. What uh, in your view are some of the things that, uh, internal departments, marketing, operations, sales training, et cetera, what kind of things can they be doing to help with this no decision challenge or, you know, provide some, some forward momentum here uh, as sellers try to navigate the agreement network? So there's seven steps that you can do to really – really, really put a huge dent into this particular problem. Well, that's too many. Seven? I don't know, man. I'm sorry. You got to take, got to take seven. <laughs> uh, the first one is you got to diagnose the situation. Uh, so that, what, what that means is actually going in, collecting some information, QBRs, giving it, giving it an identity, getting some color from, from, from salespeople, because this is a, an invisible gas that's uh, killing <laughs> killing or poisoning a lot of your sales force. You're going to have to give this an identity. You're going to have to give it away uh, to, to shop, shop it around so people go, oh, I tangibly get what you're doing. So then that's good. That's going to allow you to do the second thing. Uh, so now that you have that identity, somebody's going to say very quickly to you, well, what are we going to do to fix it? Well, the first thing that you want to do in fixing it 
is to get a bunch of people together from your company who are involved in, in, in uh, creating these solutions and talk through a representative view of your customer's world. Or maybe before you bring everybody up, model it out first. So how do you model it out? You follow the money. You figure out all of the different stakeholders involved. Uh, you would plot this out in a, in a room. You can't really do this alone. You probably need a few people to do it. But the, the mental map that I'd like you to have is, um, Brian, have you seen The Wire? Yeah. And so what's The Wire? Well, the the TV show or the yeah exactly. <laughs> well, when you when you look at it, um, it's it's kind of a crime scene, kind of crime crime. Uh, That's right. And you got to do the crime scene kind of investigation. View. Bingo! And it, it, if you've ever seen any kind of movie where they do the um, they they plot out. Uh, the crime bosses and who's connected to who and everything like that. Right. That is the mental picture that I want you to have. You need to build that inside your company so you can better predict what's happening inside your customer's world. That's what modeling a customer's world looks like. It sounds complicated. It's way not as complicated as you think it is. You just have to do it. Obviously there's, we can help with that, but that's something that you that you can definitely do. The third thing that you want to be able to do is you want to write out like it's a script, like it's a movie script. You want to write out what the possible outcome could look like. I think uh, if you were to think of it this way, write out like a future press release. Uh, so if, if going back to the role play, let's write out what the future of Brian's world will look like. And by actually being engaged in writing to do that, you're going to think through a lot of the different variables that would Brian would have had to overcome in order to achieve it. And by being able to do that, now you have that story and you're able to organize what's that script, if you will, to equip your sellers, your sales teams to help navigate that with, uh, with Brian's team. The fourth one is to design the treasure map. And what I mean by the treasure map is really you have to visualize this out. If you don't show what the journey is going to look like and give them a, this is the, here's the view of this, of, of this thing working, the from what to what, the to what picture. So the, you have the outcome story. That's for you. This is the first deliverable. That's, that's for your client. And then the second uh, thing that's related to this is number five, plot out their success story, their success journey. A lot of you guys are going to call it the buyer's journey. I really think you should not concentrate on that because it won't be unique to the situation that you're talking about here. Plot out now that you have the outcome story and you've got the visualization of what in-state looks like, now you can just have that picture of saying these are the steps that need to happen and who needs to be involved for your client. Then you want to storyboard out the process. What steps? How do you break it down into scenes, if you will, so that they become more digestible for you know Brian or his team, et cetera, but also for the salespeople? And then the last part is rehearse it. Take it on the show, rehearse it, and role play it around with, 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 your, with your clients. Take notes. Take the feedback in, not like you're wrong and that you're, you know, your mortal life is, is 
threatened if people give you negative feedback, take the feedback from the different sales teams that you role play this out and tighten it up and then bring it to clients. So there is a production process along the way. Brian, these are, these are the steps basically that follow the, the uh, software AG example, which we'll talk about uh, so, some other time. But this is, this is the way that this happens. Yeah. And, you know, uh, back to my, my uh, story about be- me being on the buyer side, um, I, I can already tell based on what you just said that this isn't going to go anywhere <laughs> because, um, you know, step one, connect, connect with me and, and give it an identity. Um, you know, we didn't do that. I, I, I had to really put my foot down with this seller and they just wanted to get to a demo. And that sucks as a buyer um, because that puts it all on me to say, oh, your demo is going to solve all my problems. That, that's, that's the challenge I have with, with software. But that's so number one didn't happen. Number two, what are we going to do to address this and follow the money? I actually tried to get into that, but I felt like I was being uh, – I, I thought – it felt like to me as a buyer that they weren't taking any notes and they thought I was just kind of venting when I wasn't. So they weren't prepared to capture yeah. um, that. So I just stopped and they didn't even notice. And then what did they want to do? Go back to the demo. Yep. So I'm like, okay, number two is not going to happen. Uh, three, write out the possible outcome feature press release. Um, that's definitely not going to happen because um, I can't even get them to think about the next step with my peers, let alone the whole end game. Uh, four, design the treasure map. What's the journey? The journey here to get to the treasure is pretty complicated in a Fortune 50 company. Yep. Um, so didn't do that at all. Six, what's my journey, my situation? Um, I've tried to say that, but it, again, they didn't capture it. Seven, what's or six? What's the, the storyboard and the steps we would take? I would love to do that because there's there's three three sales that I explained. There's probably four or five total um, sales. I'd like to storyboard out what it would take to get all those sales, mm-hmm. and then uh, rehearsing it. I'd, I'd love to be able to do that so that I'm prepared as a buyer um, to have these you know quote unquote working meetings with people who you know, um, need to understand this. Cause I have to transfer all of this stuff to, to my network internally on, on behalf of the sales team trying to sell me. And I'm sure as hell not going to do it through a bunch of demos of product. So that's the seven as it relates. So yeah, I'm, I guess I need to write the, uh, or I just, I got, I'll stop responding and let it go to no decision Inc. Yep. <laughs> right. So uh, well, it just at some point in time, it becomes too much effort, right? And the, oh, yeah. the the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Yeah, yeah, and it's because of you know I don't I don't need them to meet me halfway. It'd be great. I, I have yet to find a sales team that can can get halfway. Heck, I would take I don't know ten to fifteen percent. But right now, I feel like it's ninety eight percent me trying to make it work and two percent their effort, which ended up being trying to get the the technical person on a call and all the work involved to trying to get the, the architect on a call to give me a demo and how hard that was. Right. I'm like, seriously, you know, you guys are gonna meet me 2% of the way here. Yeah. Forget it. Yes. Excellent. So I think that's uh, this is a good place to wrap. Uh, what we have, what we have gone through is 
really just told the, told the story of how important it is to be buyer centric. We walked through a particular, uh, we walked through a story about uh, very specifically about your, your forecast looks a lot more like a boa constrictor that's eating a pig uh, in the, in the guise of internal selling, ask your sales leaders, if that's the case, I can guarantee you they're going to moat with that uh, very well. Ask if that, if if we're losing a no decision, and if so, how how big of a competitor is that really? Ask uh, questions like that. Get 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 that particular uh, feeling going on. Give this particular identity and start talking about it. But talk about it lightly. Not I got the answer for it. I got the answer for it. Develop the support internally. Just have a conversation about it because right now, because that's happening, and because. In, in many cases, it's as much as – I've seen it as high as 70% of somebody's pipeline is at risk uh, for uh, losing a no decision. The, the, the turnover rate there is that high. It puts pressure on every other place. we got to get more leads. We've got to get more leads. got to get more leads. But those leads aren't going to get prosecuted because the salespeople are hopeful. The, those right. salespeople that you're talking to, Brian, they're hopeful that, oh, he's really well. He, we've got a great relationship. Can you imagine what you look like? You should actually ask for us. Maybe in our podcast, you can get ask if the sales team could give us their opportunity profile of you. Oh, right. Yeah. And we'll read out how wonderful this opportunity that they think it is. And wow, we're really killing it at Charter and all, <laughs> all those things. I could just imagine what that sounds like. Yeah. Well, this is that's a great uh Great point. So that's, that's your, your uh, takeaway. I think on mine, one of them that I would have is just building off of that is, you know, if, if salespeople are losing a no decision, there's, there's a lot more variables than you think. It's not that, that they're not being persistent or that they're not making calls. It's that they need some help here to do these seven things. And, you know, there's a trade-off from a, from the buyer side right now, I would say that these salespeople trying to sell me, they, they want to do it. They need a lot of help. I'm not sure of the internal supply chain behind them. I feel like they're all out on a limb trying to make it work with no help. They're, they've, they've outrun their supply chain and they're on their own. That doesn't give me a lot of confidence that we're going to be able to execute. So to flip it around, when I sold before, and, and you, you shared the story before of when you were at Meta Group and you, what you wanted to do in the pursuit of a sales opportunity at Johnson and Johnson. If I flip it around and, uh, you know, I got to get some resources internally to help me out here. What's my approach for that? So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of pressure internally to go do all this kind of random activity, but, you know, from a training or marketing or operations or, um, you know, product perspective, who's going to hit the pause button and say, Holy crap. uh, What do these two need? And, Let's, let's help them out and surround them with the support they need. And, uh, you know, let's all get in this, this together, you know, cause it, to my, on my side as a buyer, there could be a real opportunity here, but I, I'm not going to do it for them. Excellent. So I think this is a wrap. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and please use the email address, uh, engage at, InsideSE.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your ideas. Send us uh, suggestions on what you'd like us to cover in, in future podcasts. Make sure you go to InsideSE.com and download some of our past uh, our, our past podcasts and join this to your rapport, uh, repertoire. 
uh, if you will, that my French is awful. And thank you very much for attending. Brian, thank you so much for your color. It's awesome to get insights from a, a, a buying a, a buyer, if you will, inside a Fortune 50 company. Thank you so much for your time. And any last thoughts that you have for our audience? No, uh, other than uh, be curious, be a crime scene investigator. I think that's a great, great analogy for what we're up against. So thanks, everybody. See you on the next one. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request. 